You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Atlanta, Georgia, and all the other ports around the world. We're glad to have you listening to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. And we've got a very special guest on today. Jim Weber's here. Uh, Steve Ronaldo's gone. and uh, But we've got a great, great guest on. And everybody, I think, across the country's heard this saying, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, we've got the answer today on... In the classic car business, in the car business of which came first, the car or the tow truck to tow the car in. <laughs> you couldn't take a car out without without knowing that you've got a backup and you've got a, a tow truck that's going to come pick you up. I don't know if they had to use Morse code back then or if they... I know they didn't have many cell phones available. No, no but I, I could tell you the tow trucks back then were one horsepower. We're one horsepower. Well, anyway, with that being said, we've got Mr. George Conley from International Towing and Recovery Museum just north of Atlanta, Georgia, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Now, it's known for choo-choos, and I don't know if it's known that well for towing, but uh, we're going to find out. George, how are you doing this morning? Doing real good. Thank you for having me. Well, you got to answer that first question, I reckon, uh, that's a good Texas saying, by the way. You reckon? Is, is it? Yeah, it is. Uh, which came first, the car or the tow truck? Well, the car actually did come first. Well, now my bubble's been broken. Yeah. yeah. And was the first tow truck a one-horsepower, George? Uh, no, I believe it was three or four. Was it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the tow truck was first patented in uh, 1916 by a gentleman named Ernest Holmes. Oh, okay, Holmes Wreckers. Holmes Wreckers, correct. Uh, Mr. Holmes had purchased uh, a, back in the day, what was known as a blacksmith shop, but they were turning from blacksmith shops to automotive garages. And he had bought a blacksmith shop slash automotive garage, and uh, sometime around the 1914 to 15 range, one of his customers lost his vehicle, in the Ch- uh, Chickamauga Creek. Mr. Holmes went to get it, and after three days and eight or ten men helped him, he finally got it out. Went back to his garage, and the the wrecker, as we've known it for years, was invented. That's a, in 1916. That's incredible. Um, did he build his own chassis then, or did he buy chassis to make his wreckers? Uh no, he, what he did is, in the day, uh, in 1916, he used a 1930 Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> I knew they had to be good for something. <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it with a Cadillac. Uh, he, took the, he took the Cadillac and basically came behind the rear seat, chopped it, made it into a pickup Cadillac, and mounted his wrecker on that. And the reason he did that is because the Cadillacs were heavy in that in, back in that day. George, still are, but George, do you all do you all, at the museum? Do you have a picture of that by chance? We uh, we do have pictures of it, yes. But we also have uh, the original 
uh, Cadillac has been lost through time. In the late 50s, early 60s, the Holmes Company did a reproduction. When the Holmes Company was sold to Dover Corporation, the Cadillac was sold at auction, and it belongs to uh, Twin City Records up in Minnesota. Uh, last year, they brought it back to the museum, and it is on display now, and it is the replica that was reproduced in the late 50s, early 60s. Wow. Now, was I think Cadillac had the first V8, didn't they, back in 16, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. Or 17, was that a V8 wrecker? I, I believe it was the VHS. Wow. So that, that probably also reinforced the fact that he needed a wrecker and, and the capabilities of towing something out of, as you say, the stream it was in or wherever they end up having to retrieve a vehicle. Correct. That's incredible. Good. Well, what is the oldest wrecker that you actually have in the museum outside of this uh, replica? Um, we have uh, Holmes 110 that is a uh, late teens, early 20s. We're not sure of the year because back then they didn't put a lot of serial numbers on things. Um, we also have uh, we have a Holmes 110 wrecker without a truck on it. Uh, we also have a 1913 locomobile with a Holmes 485 on it. Wow. And the reason it was a Holmes 485 was because in the day, that's what they sold for was $485. Oh, my gosh. So so this was actually a locomobile passenger car then that was converted? It was Yes, it was basically converted, or I, I call it sometimes chopped, where they they took the very back of the, of the cab, or of the, of the car, mm-hmm. and they would take out the center section and move the back of the, of the car forward behind the front seat and then make, uh, for better terminology, a pickup out of it. Okay. Well, when, when did the term hooks go into effect, sort of? The term what, I'm sorry? The, the term hook. I, I'm not real sure. I believe that the, the hook came in the late 40s, early 50s, and maybe even into the 60s. Yeah, this is fascinating. What... Um, how many records do you have in, in the museum? Uh, right now, I believe we have 24 total. And uh, do you give uh, personal tours, or do you, uh, when I say personal, uh, do you have people that give the tours, or or do you just, as an individual, just walk through? It, it's a self-guided tour. Uh, upon request for, you know, if people are requesting tours, we can arrange to have uh, people there to give you tours. And i got to ask, how did you get involved? Uh, I actually own a towing company in Denver, Colorado. Uh, oh, we well, might as well I give it a plug. What's the name of it? Uh, Conley's Towing Incorporated. We're actually in Arvada, Colorado. In where? Arvada. It's a little oh. suburb of Denver. Oh, okay. Yeah, David's from Texas, so we have to kind of explain some geographic things to him every once in a while, George. There you go. Yeah. Um what I'd like you to do is, let's say I'm standing at your front door, and I'd like you to give me a guided tour, if you would, please, if uh, I happen to just walk in the front door and say hello, and I've got a whole, let's say, group of fourth graders with me. 
and you know what we want to keep them under control a little bit but just kind of give us a tour and 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 tell us you know what we're going to find when we walk in the front door of the museum please as you walk in the front door you're going to see some older gas pumps we have some 50s gas pumps in there we have an old visible in the front lobby area wow you'll walk you'll walk into the front door and you'll be greeted by a counter person they will collect your money and explain to you how you go through the museum etc cetera, etc cetera. George, George we always let me stop here what do you all charge and and we always ask too uh, do you give military any kind of discount Yes, we give military, senior, and uh, AAA discounts are a dollar. The admission for an adult is uh, $10, and children is, I believe, 7 And then Great. it's over 5 Okay. Uh, one, one of the first things you'll see as you come into the museum is one of our members out of North Carolina about uh, eight or nine years ago. And we have a picture there of a what, what, what would be known today as a flatbed. We would know it as more of a dovetail flatbed in, in our generation because uh, it has a little dovetail on it. But one of our members took the picture and built a, uh, out of you know lawnmower engines and pieces and parts, a small flatbed for the children to get up in, take the picture in, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Mr. Holmes played with the flatbed idea sometime in the late teens, early 20s, and because he couldn't get it to work like he wanted, he actually scrapped the idea. And as you know today, we all use flatbeds. Uh, the gentleman was uh, years above, you know, before his time. But that's one of the things you'd see as you come in. Uh, you'll also see um, a lot of artifacts as far as uh, everything from toy tow trucks, belt buckles, um, we even have some of the wooden uh, castings of what Mr. Holmes used for uh, the things that they make the sand mold out of. It's a, it's a metal uh, casting, like or a metal, uh, metal and wooden uh, plates that they make the sand castings out to do the uh, uh, some of the forged steel pieces out of. Well, that, that's some of those there. All right, it, it, uh, man, let me just I, I, I just you're really getting my interest now. Mr. Holmes produced his records in Chattanooga, correct? Yes. Okay. Correct. And is the factory still there that he started in, or is the museum part of the factory? No. Uh, Mr. Holmes started uh, just off 4th and Market. Uh, our first building was down at 4th and Broad. We were only a block and a half away from where the original plant was. The original plant has been uh, gone for years. There's a parking garage there now with a uh, historical sign. And the reason we're in Chattanooga is because that's where the first patented wrecker was done, was in Chattanooga, Tennessee. As far as Holmes uh, Corporation was uh, was sold to Dover, and then Dover liquidated it down. It is now owned by a company called Miller Industries. And they own the, uh, the Holmes brand patents and etc and they're out in Hudawa, Tennessee which is about uh, 12-15 miles from the museum okay thank you go ahead now on the tour but I appreciate the uh, historical background uh, you, should, you should go in they will they will have you watch about a four and a half minute clip it tells you about the museum uh, where it started uh, 
where it's at now, some of the vehicles in there. It will tell you about our wall overfallen out front. We have a memorial wall out front. And the, the film lasts about four and a half minutes. Um, from there, when you're done with the film, uh, it's, it's a very small auditorium. It'll seat about uh, 25 people. Uh, you'll go from there right into the museum, and one of the first things you'll see there is the uh, 13 locomobile. It's a beautiful truck. It's done in a, um, I'm going to call it a, a dark maroon and black. Uh, and being a locomobile, it is it is different. It does have a lot of the brass, uh, the headlights, and, and the brass accessories, as I'm going to call it. And they are, are, are actually uh, brass. Uh, that's one of the first things you'll see. Uh, we also have, uh, right after that, you're going to see a... Uh, a uh, late 70s Freightliner that has one of the first uh, modular bodies on it that is, uh, it's not fiberglass, it's not uh, plastic, but it's, it's, they call it a uh, polyethylene or something, it's one of the, something that's new has come out, that that's what the bodies are made of now. We have uh, one of those that's been donated to the museum. Uh, as you walk through, we have everything from, uh, here again, you're going to find several old gas pumps, uh, old shop equipment, everything from tire machines, floor jacks, uh, old old testing equipment. Uh, we have to remember that, that in the day, in the in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, you didn't have a lot of towing companies as you do today. Right. George, Most of them were... George, right. I, we're going to have to take a break for a minute. We usually try and take a break at 15, 30, and 45, so we're going to pick up right there with the shop equipment when we're back in a minute, please. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Could an app be the answer to a better garden? Absolutely. It's the new free app, Homegrown with Bonnie Plants. Note, track, and photograph your garden's progress. Personalize your weather and reminders. Get variety info, grow guides, hands-free dictation, and more. The Homegrown with Bonnie Plants app. The sharpest tool in your garden. Download it free on the App Store. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show with uh, Jim Weber sitting in today, hosting, holding down the hosting chair. And we've got a guest from Chattanooga, Tennessee, Mr. George Conley. And we're talking tow trucks. And uh, we've got a guest in studio, as a matter of fact, Stuart Area. And we're all sitting here... uh, Fascinated by the tow truck, the tow truck business. Uh, it, it's yeah, it's, it sounds. This, uh, this way, museum sounds yeah, like fun. George, who who own, is it? The city of Chattanooga that owns the museum, or who owns the museum? 
it's actually owned by its membership. We're a 501c3. Um, the museum started, uh, we didn't get the first museum going until 1995. Uh, the original group was called Friends of Towing, and their, their job was to preserve the heritage and history of the towing industry and to honor people that have made significant changes in the industry. Uh, they went along for a long time. The museum got started in 95, down in 4th and Broad. In 2003, we moved it down to 3315 Broad Street, which was around the kind of the south end of town or just south of downtown. Uh, we're sitting on two acres, uh, just a little over a 24,000 square foot building, plenty of parking. Um, it's an older but very beautiful facility. Well, we'll get back to the tour in just a second, but... Uh, where do you get your tow trucks? Are they generally donated, or do you go out and buy them, and do you, uh, do you all do your own restoration? Uh, we do not do any of our own uh, restoration. Uh, some trucks that are on display there are uh, the museums. They've been donated to the museum. Uh, other trucks are on loan by the owners, and most of the people that own them are, have something to do or related to the towing industry. That's great. It sounds like uh, it's well supported then. Um, yes. Let's go back now because I think what's interesting is besides just having the trucks there, you're also showing people what service departments were like, and I'd like you to pick up on that, if you would, please, with your shop equipment. Okay. Well, the shop equipment that we have on display, we actually have... Uh, uh, and, and I'll just go into the Holmes Company. They not only built uh, tow trucks or records in the day, they also built jacks, uh, presses, engine hoist, uh, everything down to a creeper. We actually have a creeper that was built by the Ernest Holmes Company. You know, there, there are a lot of folks that don't know what a creeper is. You might, might need to explain <laughs> that. Okay. Creeper is something that you put on the ground to roll underneath. Uh, you lay on it to roll underneath the vehicle so you can see what's happening. And they, one, one of them used to be called Jeepers Creeper, didn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah, and um, they're nice to take a nap, but you lose production when you fall asleep working on a car or truck. Exactly. Well, it was the ones that had that padded uh, yes. pillow yeah. on the back of yeah, it. Yeah, and you could <laughs> headrest. You could yeah. raise it just a little bit. As long as you didn't snore, you could get a nap in. Okay, George, go ahead. Well, there was many manufacturers. Most manufacturers of, of uh, wreckers in the day, Weaver uh, was one of them, Manly was one of them. Uh, they built a lot of uh, different things, tire machines, uh, jacks, uh, so much shop equipment because it was all, quote, shop-related back in the day. And, and we have several things on display from uh, uh, homes jacks to creepers to weaver tire machines and tire spreaders that in the old days uh, when they when you had a hole in the tire you had to spread the tire open to come in and patch it. You even have an old weaver tire spreader down there. Hmm. Uh, a lot of different oil cans, uh, uh, things that were that were done uh, in the twenties, thirties, and forties with the automotive industry. That's neat. I, I really, you know, you, you've put the icing on the cake with this one, and uh, we commend you for that because, you know, a lot of museums, you just, 
have a bunch of cars, which is not bad, believe me, but it's nice to see you go in-depth with what the industry's like. The the other thing, and and it just comes to mind, there were companies like Packard that built trucks, and were they did they build wreckers or did homes sell the manufacturers of, of cabin chassis? Do you know? Uh, uh, homes and people like Holmes, Weaver, Manley sold the wreckers. Uh, the only one that I know of, the only manufacturer, automobile manufacturer that built a wrecker was Ford, and I believe it was done in 28, 9, 30, 30, one and possibly 32 because after that uh, I know that 34 and 5 Ford actually sent their cabin chassis down to Weaver and had Weaver put the cranes on them, the the record cranes Okay, where where was Weaver located? Uh, Springfield, Illinois Okay, All right. and Manly, are they close by too? Uh, Manly was on the East Coast, and they uh, they actually are, are no longer in business. We've had a lot of uh, a lot of trouble finding out uh, that much about Manly, and the reason is is uh, they went out in the, the late fifties, and as the company has dissolved, a lot of the records and everything is we've not been able to find anything on the Manleys. It's a, we've got some literature and some other things, but not a lot of history on Manly. Mm-hmm. I. Let's go back and go through our tour a little more. We finished with the shop equipment, I assume. Right, we're, we're done with the shop equipment. You walk through the museum and you'll you'll see things. We even have a uh, uh, display there from AAA, uh, AAA National. Uh, it's one of the oldest automobile clubs in the in the country. A lot of pictures, uh, older pictures that they've uh, provided for us. They actually come in every uh, 18 months or so and change the display with some different pictures for us. Uh, as you're walking through the museum, uh, you'll see, of course, the uh, the Cadillac, the uh, uh, 16 Cadillac sitting there, and or the 13 Cadillac, I'm sorry, uh, the 13 Cadillac sitting there with the replica wrecker on it. Next to it, you'll find uh, we have the world's fastest tow truck. In 1979, uh, Ernest Holmes Company, with the Talladega Raceways, had had a truck that went 109 point some miles an hour. It's basically a Chevrolet 454 four-speed, uh, one-ton wrecker is what it was, with Holmes high-powered 440 on it. And it is documented to be, uh, at the time, the fastest truck. Uh, That's incredible. I mean, who would think that... Somebody would do something like that. I'll bet that's... Do you drive it? Have you had it out and, and had it running? It, it does run and drive, yes. It was actually... Uh, it was found in, initially after it went uh, in, and broke the record for the fastest truck. It was, it was at Talladega's uh, museum for quite some time. Uh, the truck disappeared. Some people started looking for it, and they found it at the very back of the Talladega Speedway's boneyard. Wow. It was per- it was purchased by the Miller Industries people, and they sent it up and had it restored. It is back in a restored uh, condition to us, and it just recently has been donated to the museum, and it's one of our prides and joys. Um, uh, I bet it's you... A, it's a beautiful truck. Uh, have you had it out on Interstate 24 to just kind of clean the cobwebs out? 
Uh, no. Uh-oh. There's there's been some discussion that uh, they wanted to kind of take it to Talladega and run it through the track again, and I told them they wanted somebody to transport it and take it down and, and run it. And I said, well, I would take it, but I wasn't sure if I was going to take it 109 miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you there. <laughs> that's that's but, neat. Uh, it's a beautiful truck, and we're, we're very happy to have it. Yeah. Um, as you go through the museum, you'll see other uh, manly wreckers, weaver wreckers, on everything from we have a, a, a Model T there with a uh, uh, manly on it. We have uh, 37 Chevrolet long noses. Uh, we have everything, uh, a lot of manufactured records. Uh, we even have a, a truck we call Bubble Nose. Uh, What's that? It was, well, it, it's an older Dodge. And what it was is, I'm sorry, Dodge. It was an older GMC. And with a, and I, I can't say it was a cab over, but kind of a cab over in its day. Okay. Uh, and, and, and what a lot of people did back then, and what we're trying to display is that not everybody went out and bought uh, in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. A lot of people around the country did not have the money to go buy Holmes or Weaver or Manly Wrecker. So what they did is they got some iron out and a winch, and they <laughs> built a wrecker. And that's yes. what this gentleman had done. It was what, what homemade is what we call them. Uh, very beautiful truck, orange and white. It's been at the museum for years. It's very popular with the children because of its looks. Uh, and it's just, a, it, it shows that they, they did do a lot of homemade uh, stuff in the day because they couldn't afford manufactured records. And they worked. Uh, uh, so many of them took, how do I say this, ideas off the manufactured records and kind of copycat of it, but they did it instead of doing it with, uh, you know, uh, nice good steel and uh, and perfect castings and whatever they did it with welders and and just old junk steel that they could find as I call it. George, let me, let me ask you and correct me if I'm wrong and I'm wrong a lot, but uh, okay, so that was a stationary type winch truck where you had the pulley and the winch on the back and the, and actually the whatever the what would you call it? The, the lift? The lift stayed stationary. The hook. The hook. Uh, but when did, the, when did the one come in? Now they, they move the, the winch itself or the... The roll-on, roll-off? Yeah, no. The, the, uh, the hook and, and what it's mounted on is not stationary necessarily. When did that come about? Okay, well, I'm a little confused what you're asking. Oh, okay. I'll tell the, you that... The, the record has been around for, the, the record as we've known it in the day has been around forever. In the late 70s, early 80s, the flatbeds, uh, rollbacks, those started becoming popular in the late 70s, early 80s. And of course, everything switched over to that. Uh, if you see a truck out there now, it's what they call a, a wheel lift or underreach. Yes, that's what David's referring to. Yeah. Uh, the wheel lifts and underreaches uh, came out in the early 80s. Um, I will tell you a story that in, in, when uh, Ernest Holmes Jr. got out of engineering school uh, 34, 35, uh, 1934, 1935. So after he came out of engineering school, he designed a, what we would probably call today as a frame lift. And what it did is it, it would fold up on the back of the truck, and you would unfold it. You could 
you know, manually take out a couple of bars and have little attachments that you could lift a car off the frame with, or off the axle, or whatever you wanted to do. And then you had a cable that would pick it up and down. Okay. Okay. Uh, it was a. It was put in the Holmes uh, company as an accessory. They did not sell good, and, and we, we believe it came out sometime in the thirty-eight, late thirty-nine range. It came out as an accessory, and it, they, it was an accessory. It was expensive, so they didn't sell well. Well, at that point, the uh, war, World War II broke out, and the Holmes Company shut down all commercial production and went to uh, building military vehicles only for our government. Uh, so as we say, the, the, the first uh, frame lift or underreach was actually put in the closet during the war. It, it came back out after World War II, and here again, it was put on as an accessory. By the late 40s, uh, the Holmes Company put it on as a uh, standard piece of equipment. And what was happening in the day is the tours, because it was so heavy and so hard to use, and it took more time, the tours would take them off the trucks and throw it off on, in the corner. And then, here again, Ernest Holmes Jr. was a man well years before his time. Let, let's take let's take a break now, and then let's talk about Mr. Holmes Jr. when we get back. We'll be right back, George. Okay. Hi, I'm Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about anti-car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride, call J.C. Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government as well as those involved in legal cases have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, hosted today by Jim Weber, and his special guest is George Conley. And we're finding out, I'm fascinated. Oh, it's neat. I want to go up there. I just want one of the toys from, do you all have a gift store, uh, George? Yes, we do. Could could I buy could I buy me a, a tow truck in the gift store that I could play with? Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, George, let's go back. 
before uh, David goes completely back to his childhood, let's go to Ernest Holmes Jr. and uh, tell us about him. Uh, here again, this was a, uh, just like his father, he was a, a, a man that was thinking way ahead of the times. All right, wait a second, George. I got to interrupt you. One, you said this about the father and now the son. What could they have done with a CAD system? Do you think? <laughs> well, I'm not sure what they could what they could have done with the CAD system. I know that uh, uh, in the day they were they were real inventors, uh, and that's why Ernest Senior, uh, I think, promoted Ernest Junior to go to engineering school. He had grown up around manufacturing coming out of engineering school he thought he had a better way uh, the problem was that he was he was way ahead of his time because the industry didn't uh, really accept the the underreach or the frame lift back then and it wasn't until the mid 80s that the, the wheel lift and the frame lift really came out in full force with hydraulics that's that's interesting because today that's all you see outside of the uh, the roll on or rollback. Uh, correct, and, yeah. and here's people that you know designed a, a rollback. Ernest Senior designed a, a, what we would know as a rollback or or a similar piece of equipment back in the the twenties. And his son, by the late thirties, has developed a, a frame lifter underreach, and then the industry didn't pick up on him until you know. Uh, what uh, 30, 40 years later, you know? Wow. Yes. Yeah, I, I understand that. Um, I I want to back up for a second. What vehicles did the Holmes Manufacturing Company build during World War II for the government? Uh, well, I believe the government would furnish the trucks. They were all uh, just standard military trucks. And what uh, the Holmes Company did is actually built a, they, they call it a military wrecker, and there was either, there's two versions of it, there was what they called W35 and the W45. The 45, of course, was heavier than 35. They were basically uh, twin boom wreckers, and they were built to recover uh, tanks, any type of army uh, military equipment. We actually have one uh, at the display uh, on display at the museum. Ours is a 1943, and we do have proof that ours w- was uh, in the European campaign with Patton. Wow. How much? How much service it saw? There's no records of that. Of, of, of you know what it really did. If it was a backline truck or a frontline truck, it was actually found uh, by some people at a dealership in France. Uh, in the early 90s. They bought it very inexpensively, and then they had to ship it back to the U.S., which cost uh, two arms and two legs. <laughs> More than the truck. <laughs> George, George, were these on deuce and a half? Pardon me? Were, they, were the trucks deuce and a half? Or? Deuce and a half platform? Uh, yes, I, yeah. I guess that's what I would call them, is yeah. deuce and a half platforms. Uh, uh, they're AMC trucks and uh, FWDs. FWD I'm thinking of. Yeah, Front Wheel Drive Company. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, but the one we have, we, we do know it was in the European campaign. We just don't, we, there's no there's no records of what the truck was involved in. Was it involved at the, the front line, the medium line? Because they had to keep the supplies running, and they need those records. Yeah. Uh, to keep that, the supply lines going to keep our troops going through Europe. 
right, I've got to ask. So a wrecker goes out to pull a tank in. That did what? Did they put a uh, dolly on the on the back end of the tank, or how? If it a track tank, that would be a hell of a pull. Correct. And and these had a lot of uh, what we call uh, a tow bar, like that would go from the truck to whatever they were pulling, and they had a tow bar there. They had two of them, one on each side of the truck that they could attach. And how they did it back then with a tank, I've, I've never really had anybody of the day be able to tell me what they did. And a lot of times, what, what one of the old, older gentlemen has told me is that a lot of times the, the mechanic drove the, the tow truck. And if the, if the tank was stuck somehow or he couldn't get out, they would pull him out. If it wouldn't run, they would try to get him running so he could go under his own power. Okay. And that, you know, you just hit a subject that uh, we were talking about earlier, uh, David and I and Stuart, and that was the fact that the tow truck driver back then was a mechanic. And he actually tried to fix some of the vehicles instead of towing them in. Correct. For many years in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, that was that appeared to be the case because most of the tow trucks, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to believe that just 99.9% of the tow trucks in the 30s, 40s, uh, and even through the 50s, were actually owned by uh, garages. And they would have uh, somebody that was very mechanically inclined, maybe if it wasn't a full blown mechanic or the, the more senior mechanic, it could have been more of a junior mechanic that was out trying to get vehicles fixed and they would maybe fix them on the side of the road if they could. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because I, I did that in high school and uh, drove one on a one-ton Chevy chassis and all I ended up doing was changing tires and fixing carburetors or something to get something to run in the winter. Well, let's go back we are still on our tour, and we've now seen the 1943 military wrecker. So you'll also see things in the museum of uh, just different displays. Uh, we have one member that uh, has put on loan to us several of the AAA uh, decals that have come out over the years. There's there's thousands of those. Right. Uh, on our one back wall, we have a full wall where we have I'm gonna and I'm gonna do a guesstimation on you, maybe three or four thousand toy tow trucks. Wow. That they that they have different tow trucks that have been built over the years, everything from woodens, metals, plastic. Uh some of them were specially built, some of them were just uh production run stuff, uh some stuff from overseas, uh the UK, Europe, different places. Uh but we have several tow trucks on display. As you come around, uh You'll see all this. There, there's so much to see. We always tell people, count at least an hour minimum for the tour. And I have a lot of people that will be in there the second time and say, when did you guys get that? And I'll say, well, we've had that for 10 years. And they'll say, well, it wasn't there last time. It was. Except there's so much to see sometimes you don't get to see it all. Yes. Um, as you start going out, um, you'll find our uh, our 29 Chrysler. We have a 29 Chrysler with a... Uh, Weaver Wrecker on it. That uh, it's the O'Hare Towing. Uh, it's one of the companies that did the Wrecked TV series. Uh, that was donated to us by the family uh, after Mr. Jack Graziani passed away. And it is a, a 29 Chrysler that was a, a or a town car Chrysler that they made into a pickup. 
in here again. During the Depression, uh, they did a lot of that where the, the newspaper, like for example, the newspaper uh, publishers in the big towns of Chicago and New York and wherever, they would give their limousines to their shop people so that they could keep their, their newspaper trucks running and, and being towed in and whatever so that they keep their newspapers running. That was a very common thing, by cutting up an old town car or whatever back in the day and making it into a record. Um, as that is, is, as you're coming out of the museum, and here again, we're going to see pictures, and uh, we have everything from uh, indie license plates there, uh, of the tow truck indie license plates from years past, to uh, several pictures from all over the world. We are an international group, and we have uh, a lot of different pictures that you'll see from uh, Australia, Africa, England, just just all over, uh, different types of equipment, European styles, and et cetera. And as you're coming out of the museum, you'll be you'll come into our Hall of Fame. Uh, we started in 1986. Uh, they put certain individuals uh, up to 10 a year into the Hall of Fame. Uh, currently, we're about 285 people that have done things uh, significant to change and promote the industry through the years. And it's uh, a very nice uh, two walls that you walk down and you can see their pictures. And when you, when you start at the beginning of it, you can actually look at their bios if you, if you know somebody in there. Uh, you can look up their bio of, you know, what they've done, how old they are. Um, if they passed away, we have deceased stickers on their pictures and stuff. Uh, and you'll walk through the Hall of Fame. Now, that will take you out to the, the back side of the, the gift shop, as I would say. Uh, the first thing you'll see as you walk out the back side of the gift shop is a little vehicle called Tater Tot. And what it is, it's a golf cart. It has no motor or anything in it, but it's been made by one of our members out of uh, Arizona. Uh, Barnett's towing down there made. They took a golf cart and <laughs> made it into a little tow truck. And it's for the kids. It actually works. The boom goes up and down and side to side, more like the rotators of today. George, George you, you just segued into something I was thinking about and, and wanted to ask you. How many spinoffs of the tow truck are they? I.e., uh, they use them in the in the lumber bu- in the logging business. Uh, railroads uh, have a, uh, a car that's uh, basically a tow truck or has the the parts of a tow truck on it on a flat rail. Yeah, yeah. and so how many? To your knowledge, how many spinoffs from the tow truck have gone into other industries? I wouldn't even try to guess uh, what, after the tow truck, how many other spinoffs there have been. I can tell you that in the Holmes Company, uh, we used to have a curator that passed away on us, uh, Frank Thomas, and he actually worked for the Holmes Company in the 50s and 60s, and he worked in what they called the crane division. Uh, homes in the day did build railroad cranes. Hmm. That's that's interesting. And uh, did any of the other manufacturers like Weaver or Manley get involved in, in railroad cranes too, or was that just something no. exclusive? Wow. Okay. No, that's uh, no, none of them. The, the the only record manufacturer that we know got into the crane business or tried to was the Holmes Company. Wow. So they they were really diversified. Oh yes, they uh, even in the fifties we have a picture of them uh, trying to develop, uh, and, I'll, and I'll call it a, 
a late 50s truck. I actually thought that I had located one, uh, but it's a late 50s dump truck, about a two-ton truck on a little Ford single axle with a small dump body on it that the Holmes Company had designed a bucket that came over the front of the cab. You could pick dirt or whatever up or gravel or something, and then it would come back in very similar to a front uh, front loader trash truck, as I call it. Okay. Except it, it was built on a dump truck. We have a picture of it, um, and Holmes built a few of those also. Oh, for gosh sake. That, that's, that's amazing. Now, what... Oh, I, I've just been told that we need to do a break, but I'm going to give you a question. What is missing from your museum that you'd like to acquire? And after the break, let's talk about that. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Could an app be the answer to a better garden? Absolutely. It's the new free app, Homegrown with Bonnie Plants. Note track and photograph your garden's progress personalize your weather and reminders get variety info grow guides hands-free dictation and more the homegrown with bonnie plants app the sharpest tool in your garden download it free on the app store you're listening to america's the pioneer and leader in chat radio thank you for listening And we're back on the Classic Car Show with George Conley, our guest today from the International Towing and Recovery Museum. I, I, I've got to ask you, George, about that word recovery. Um, when did tow trucks, uh, how, how do I state this PC? I, I definitely want to be politically correct. How did they get in the business of, uh, of the Midnight Raiders? And, <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, recovery. Well, the tow truck, in, in, in the, when Mr. Holmes was thinking of the tow truck and how he designed it, it was for when the customer ran his car off into the creek and they needed a way to get it out quickly and efficiently and to tow the vehicles into the shop after they had been broke, wrecked, or whatever. Um, during the years, and, and I would tell you that it, it started in the... I have a very good friend of mine in Denver that just passed away about a year ago that was a repossessor for over 40 years, and I think that's what you're talking about. Yes. Um, yes, sir. In the day, in the early 50s, uh, this, this gentleman uh, had actually worked as a repossessor from the early 50s, and in the day, it was pretty simple to, in the 50s, to hotwire a car. But as the 60s and 70s and 80s came through, they started looking at towing them in, and and however, pick them up in the middle of the night and call them in. And they used a lot of slings and just pickups and stuff 
originally. Well, since the uh, the wheel lifts have come out, and they've got uh, what they call, you know, you've got some brands that call them sneakers. Uh, uh, they fold up in the back of a truck, and they'll unfold, and everything is inside cab controls now with hydraulics and electric. Uh, and it started where they actually started in the 60s, doing it with tow trucks, but it's just progressed over the years of how they've done it. Now they do it more efficiently. And, and do you have one of them in the museum? No. We don't have any. <laughs> we don't, well, we're, actually, we're actually trying to get, uh, we actually talked to a gentleman a month ago about trying to get one of the first uh, wheel lifts that was out there, and number one, we've not been able to locate but they did locate number two, and they, they have it in their possession, and they're planning on restoring it, and uh, it won't have a truck on it. It'll just be the record unit, but it'll be the number two that was ever built out of a company now called Dynamic. Georgia, if people have a tow truck that they want to donate or they want to talk to you about it, how do they get a hold of you, or who do they need to talk to, and how do they get a hold of you, and, and uh, your website and so forth as well? If they can call anybody at the museum, the area code is 423-267-3132. And the website is www.internationaltowingmuseum.org. And are you all looking for or continually looking for unique tow trucks that you'd like to add to the museum? Of course. We, we, uh, the museum is a nonprofit organization. Uh, when you donate something, you do get a donation receipt. There are certain government uh, IRS rules we have to comply by, which we do. And uh, some people do it because of tax issues. Uh, we had a truck donated to us recently because the gentleman sold his business. And after he sold his business, his accountant thought he was okay, but then the accountant said, well, we got a little problem here, and he decided to donate his truck to help his tax issues on selling his business. Uh, we were actually donated uh, uh, 30 or 31 Ford AA. Ah, okay, a Model A truck. Which, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, model, it was a Model A, and I always don't remember it was a 30 or 31 now. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, we, we, we do do that. We're always looking for unique uh, pieces, parts, equipment, uh, uh, something that the museum might not have. And we may have it, we may not. It's hard to say until, we, you know, until somebody calls us and says, hey, I've got something like this. You know? Well, uh, let me go back. Uh, what's really missing? What, what's the biggest hole you have? One of the things that, that, uh, that a lot of us like to see is one of the first hydraulics that ever came out. We have a lot of mechanical stuff, uh, a lot of hand crank. Uh, a lot of power takeoff, mechanical, chain-driven wreckers. Uh, there was two two companies that actually built the, some of the first hydraulics that ever came out, uh, which was Ernest Holmes' company, built a T-475. And that's kind of an interesting story because uh, Jerry Holmes, which is the grandson of Ernest Holmes, was actually with the company at that time. Uh, the company had been sold by the family to the Bilber Corporation. Uh, same people that build elevators and etc. Uh, they were designing what, what's known today as a, a, a T-475. Uh, Mr. Holmes was one of the engineers on the product uh, project, and they had some problems with the T-475. And the Dover Corporation said, no, we're going to run with it. Mr. Holmes quit Dover and the Holmes Company at that time, and he started up uh, a company, a record company called Century. 
anybody's heard of the Century Wrecker. Yes. Yep. Uh, okay. That was that was struck by Ernest Holmes' grandson, and he designed his first hydraulic. Uh, matter of fact, about five or six years ago, we had put a, a bounty on his first truck. <laughs> uh, I, I would probably pay a thousand dollars for somebody to tell me where it's at, David. Right D- David, it's a field trip for yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We believe it's up on the East Coast someplace. Uh, we, we know that it had gone to a, a towing company originally. Uh, they used it for years. Uh, some people passed away, and they believe that somebody believes it was at a wrecking yard being used in a wrecking yard operation. Uh, we've looked and hunted. Nobody seems to be able to find it. Uh, that would be a truck that would be. Uh, because it is uh, uh, Ernest Holmes' grandson designed that truck. Uh, that would be the one I would like to have. I, I personally would like to restore it myself. Uh, I do do restorations on vehicles, personally. Uh, restore it and put it in the museum. I think it would be a uh, quite a truck. And it, it was on a, uh, a 78 Chevrolet. Okay. All right. That, that's, that's interesting. Is that also on your website? Do you have a place no. that says what we're looking for? No, no, that has not been added to the website yet. Okay. Well, I'm. The website, I'm, as you come out, you, you look at Tater Talk, you kind of go through our gift shop very quickly. And of course, we have everything from t shirts, tow truck books. Um, of course, if anybody knows who Tomater is, we have some Nader stuff there, of course. We also have some autographed pictures of cast of Nader and big posters from Nader. Um, many different things in our gift shop that uh, uh, are, are very nice. We also have a 29 Packard up there with a Model T behind it. It looks like the Model T is being towed, even though it's not. Um, it, it is a, 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 a minimum of an hour, and if you're really into the gas station equipment and trucks and, and towing equipment, uh, it can take you two or three hours. Sometimes sure. you go through it and then we flip it over. George, let me ask you your your demographics of the folks that are coming, and how do you get uh, how do you tell people that you're there and alive and well and come on down? And are you getting your fair share of grandparents bringing their grandkids? Yes, we do. We do. We get a lot of demographics of different people coming in. We do tours uh, for groups. We also recently got a, a, our our signs up on the highway, and we get a lot of traffic now coming in. And people that are up on 24 that will see the signs, and all of a sudden they go to a truck museum. Let's go take a look at this. Um, we've gotten that done. We have our website. Uh, we do a lot with our Chattanooga Visitors Bureau. Um, How about uh, the Historical Truck Association? There's a, a group. Uh, they know of us, yes. Uh, we just don't do a lot with them. I, I, we know we've done some advertising with them before, and we've sent them brochures. Okay. And I know we keep some. We've kept some of their brochures in our museum too. Sometimes the museums can do that rather than go through a brochure company. It's a little cheaper for them. Okay. Some do other you... things that we've done is uh, out in front of the building. We have uh, we have a memorial wall. We have started a uh, wall of the fallen, and it's for tow operators killed in the line of duty. Uh, we're losing between fifty-five and sixty-five operators just in the continental United States every year. Oh no! That are, being, that are being struck on on highways and different incidents, uh, and being killed out there in in, in the traffic. Um, wow! We we have this wall. We have a monument of a tower helping a gentleman, and a it's a monument that helps 
come out of the water, which we have a little pond there. Every September, we put names on, we only do it once a year, we put names on the wall of the towers, uh, children line of duty. And every year we're putting on anywhere from 25 to 40. Uh, one of the problems we have is we're, we're still not big enough to know every death that's happening every day. Uh, some people, uh, because of religion, reasons or whatever, they don't want the names on the wall. Uh, that's been an issue. We're trying to get people to fill out the forms and help us get the information has been a difficult thing. Uh, but the museum is trying to honor those those towers that have, have lost their lives in the line of duty. We're losing as many as police and fire and things like that per capita. Uh, that's that's uh, amazing. Because uh, you, you, you wouldn't think of also, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The museum's also started what they call a survivor fund where we can help the families of the tourists killed. And, uh, of course, you have to fill out forms for it, and uh, we will send the family uh, a little money to help them keep the roof over their head during the tough times. Mm. Uh, the museum is trying to do things that they can do for the towing industry. That's what we're there for, is to try to preserve the heritage and history of our industry and help the industry as much as we can. You know, it just dawned on me... I- and we've got to wrap it up pretty quickly, but the tow truck industry has almost been taken for granted. Would, would that be a fair statement? Yes, it has. We're, we're, you have to remember that when a tow truck's called, it's not always the best situation. Your car's broke in a ditch, or the police are involved uh, in an accident or some, something like that. George, this has been just absolutely fascinating from my standpoint, and Jim and Stuart, and we uh, we appreciate your time. And uh, the three of us off mic, we're talking about we're going to take a day off. And uh, could we get a you know say a, a dollar discount if we come up? <laughs> we're all I, seniors, I'm, George. We're all seniors. <laughs> I'm sure if I, I can arrange that, and if you uh, if you let me know when you're coming, I'll make sure that I'm there to give you the tour. Oh, wow. We will do it. We will absolutely do it. Uh, George Conley with the International Toying and Recovery Museum in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Thank you so much for being on the Classic Car Show today. It's been great talking to you, and we're going to have you back on. Thanks, George. Thank you you for having me. Okay. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.